The scripture reading for this morning is Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 20. Please stand for the reading of God's word. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord." And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. When they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Well, this is uh, one of the most familiar stories, if not the most familiar story of uh, the Christmas season, but we need to make sure we don't let the familiarity of the story diminish its importance. Profound gospel truths are proclaimed in this passage, and the retelling of this story year after year is an opportunity to ponder anew what God did in sending his son to be born in the likeness of men. Chapter 2 of Luke begins with Luke telling us that Caesar Augustus had declared that all the world should be registered. By all the world, Luke meant all the Roman world, every part of the world that was under Roman rule. The Jewish historian Josephus tells us that this registration was for the purpose of paying tribute. It was about collecting taxes. Joseph was living in Nazareth, but he was from Bethlehem, so to Bethlehem he would have to go in order to be registered. He was betrothed, but not married to Mary. He was pledged to be married to her. She was a virgin, and she was with child. The baby in her womb was Jesus, the very Son of God. So a nearly full-term Mary and her not-yet-husband Joseph set out from Nazareth to make the 80-mile trek to Bethlehem. It was up to Bethlehem, not because Nazareth was south of Bethlehem, but because Bethlehem was elevated. So up they went. It would have been cold at night as they made the trip. It would have been dusty 
and dry as well. And as they made their way into town, Mary's birth pains began. And this must have been incredibly terrifying for her. She she had no one. She had Joseph. But she had no midwife. She had no woman to shepherd her through childbirth. And, And then, of course, they had no place to stay. Where would she give birth? Shepherds were out in the field watching the sheep. It was another night in a series of numbingly long nights. They were relatively close to town, maybe maybe just a couple miles outside of town in a field known as the shepherd's field. They took turn keeping watch, trying to stay awake to make sure that the sheep weren't attacked by wild animals or by thieves. And then a night that started out like every other night became a night like no other night when an angel of the Lord said, Behold, what follows the appearance of the angel of the Lord are four invitations to a radically new way of living in light of the most remarkable announcement that has ever been given to mankind. And so I want to spend a little bit of time this morning looking at those four invitations. The invitation to fear not, the invitation to come and see, the invitation to stop and think, and the invitation to go and tell. But first, let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we come before you this morning, we are thankful for this word, or for this preservation of the historical reality of the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. We pray, O God, that you would help us to take to heart all that is here. Lord, that our hearts might be inclined ever toward you. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So first, the invitation to fear not. Note that it was the glory of the Lord that caused the shepherds to fear. Take a look at verse 9 with me. In verse 9, it says, And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. They were filled with great fear before the angel said a word to them. It was the glory of the Lord that caused great fear. What is the glory of the Lord? Think of uh, Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 6, that great vision of Isaiah. He saw the Lord seated on the throne, the the train of his robe, the the back hem of his robe filled the entire temple, right? The seraphim were, were flying around the throne and they were crying out to one another, holy, 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 the whole earth is full of his glory. And Isaiah is undone. He says, I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. The glory of the Lord is the radiance of his holiness. The glory of the Lord is the radiance of his holiness. It was terrifying to Isaiah. It was terrifying to the shepherds. And it is terrifying to us. If we consider the prospect of standing before a holy God apart from the shelter, the covering, the protection of the grace of his son, Jesus Christ, the very presence of the glory of the Lord terrified the shepherds, but it was the word of the Lord that calmed their fears. Take a look at verse 10. 
Verse 10 says, And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. It is the gospel that brings calm to a heart that is filled with fear. What is, the, what is this gospel? What is the good news? Take a look at verse 11. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Familiar words, but so full of, of meaning. So much of, of biblical history and, and, and Old Testament promise is, is captured right in those words. For unto you is born in the city of David. There's Old Testament prophecy being fulfilled. We looked at this last Sunday when we looked at Micah chapter 5. In the city of David is born the Christ, this Old Testament Messiah, the, the deliverer that was long anticipated, is born this day. This is the Savior. That's a word that's used in the New Testament and in the Greek translation of the Old Testament to translate God. And then this one who is born is Lord. This one who is born is God. The one who said to Job, where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Where were you when I made the clouds its garment and wrapped it in thick darkness? Where were you? That one is lying in a feed trough wrapped in cloth. The one who tirelessly holds all things together by the word of his power lies resting after the trauma of childbirth. Mild he lays his glory by, born that men no more may die. He came down to us because we could never make our way to him. And that's the gospel in a nutshell. There's therefore nothing left for the Christian to fear. Fear not. Secondly, there's an invitation to come and see. Take a look at verses 15 and 16. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. Now, if you're here this morning and you're not a Christian believer, you may be sitting there just with you know, a, a level of muted incredulity. What? How could this possibly be? Not how could this possibly be that a virgin gave birth, but how could it possibly be that anyone actually believes this? Let me ask you, are you willing to consider the claims of Christianity? You may be thinking, you lost me at virgin birth in the introduction. You're asking me to believe the unbelievable. It's fair enough. But there may be another question that you need to be asking. Not, how is it that a virgin could possibly give birth to a child, but rather, is the natural world all that there is? Are you, are you holding to a truth claim that can't be proved? That there's nothing that exists beyond our five senses? That, that supernatural events can't possibly, be, you know, can't possibly occur, occur, let alone be reasonable? Tim Keller challenges us often to doubt our doubts. Maybe the first doubt you need to doubt is your doubt that there's nothing more to the world than the eye can see. 
The shepherds dropped everything. They went with haste. They left the sheep. They left everything. And they went in response to this invitation to go and see. God says in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 13, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Are you willing to drop everything as it were in order to seek God? Two invitations we've seen so far, fear not, come and see, but then third, the invitation to stop and think. Look at verse 19 with me. Verse 19 says, but Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. That word ponder describes Mary's thinking. That word means to to put something in context or to, to think it out. The word treasured, that describes what was going on in her heart. She took to heart what she had heard. She let the truth of what she had heard affect her. There's an encouragement here for those of us who are Christian believers to ponder the truth that we proclaim, to take to heart the gospel that we have believed. If you read one book this year, I hope you read more, but if you read one book other than the Bible, I want to encourage you to read the book deeper by Dane Ortland. I've recommended it to you before. If you decide to read the book, let me know. And, and let me know what you think about it. I'd love to interact with you and talk to you about it. It's, it's been a book that's had a, a profound influence on me. A number of you have read it, and you've been telling me how it has been an encouragement to you as well. In that, in that book, he quotes a letter from John Newton that John Newton wrote on September 10th, 1760, to a Miss Medhurst, one of his parishioners. And Newton writes this, the best advice I can send or the best wish I can form for you is that you may have an abiding sense of those words of the apostle which are just now upon my mind, looking unto Jesus. The duty, the privilege, the safety, the unspeakable happiness of a believer are all comprised in that one sentence, looking unto Jesus is the object that melts the soul into love and gratitude. Ponder anew what the Almighty can do. This is an invitation for us as Christians today, every day, to be able to go to God's Word, to open it up in the morning, to go there praying, God, would you convict me of my sin, that I might know more of this joy that the angel is proclaiming. The path to that joy is always through confession of sin. Always. It's always as we, we come before this holy God as people who do have unclean lips because we have unclean hearts. Apart from God's grace, we would be without hope and without help in the world. As we come acknowledging that before God, pleading the grace that is ours in his son, Jesus Christ, we find on the other side of that dip, joy. And God works powerfully through his word. So as we come before him in his word, in faith, his spirit works in us that we might be convicted of our sin and then know the joy of him meeting us there in that place, lifting us up by the chin as it were, saying, look into my eyes and know that in Jesus I love you. You're mine. I'll never let you go. Ponder that truth. Think it through. Think out the implications Rightly sort the things in your life in light of that grand truth. Take it to heart. 
finally, the invitation to go and tell. Look at verse 20. Verse 20 says, And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. You know, as Christians, we think, man, I want to be able to talk to my non-Christian family member or my non-Christian neighbor or, or my non-Christian coworker, And I want to be able to, you know, articulate, ha- have an argument that will, that will break down all their presuppositions to help them see the, the truth of the gospel. And you know what the shepherds did? They worshiped. They just went praising God. And at the end of the day, that is our greatest testimony. It's not just a changed mind. It's a changed heart. It's a heart that was once inclined toward self, living only for the things of this world, that is now inclined toward God and living for him. That is not natural. That is supernatural. As we, as we go living lives of, of praise, lives that are devoted to God because of his supreme devotion to us demonstrated in the birth and in the death and the resurrection of his son, Jesus Christ, it's as we live in light of that great truth that we are a witness to a watching world. Fear not. Come and see. Go and tell. Stop and think. This is the invitation in this text. We've come to the end of the Advent season, a season in the life of our church where we remember the waiting, the long waiting of Israel. Well, they waited for the arrival of their Messiah. Every Advent season, we're reminded that we too are waiting. We're waiting and we're watching. But we wait and watch in light of the good news with joy and with eager anticipation. Fear not, come and see, stop and think, go and tell. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you yet again for your son, Jesus, whose birth we celebrate on this day. We are reminded, Lord Jesus, from this portion of your word that you are indeed our Savior. You are our Messiah. You are the Lord who was born. We come worshiping you, awaiting your return with great joy. And we do so in your name and for your glory. Amen.